YouTube peoples, it's been a while since I've done a podcast, um, yeah, this time, we wanted to talk about ancient aliens, of course, no, I'm just kidding, not ancient aliens, um, a lot of, uh, new archaeological discoveries and a lot of cool stuff, look, I got a fat folder here, 17 gigabytes worth of files, so, y'all ready, y'all ready to get your mind blown, I haven't done a podcast in a while, um, you know, COVID has, uh, gotten everything, uh, back open. So COVID's over. So congratulations. We made it. <laughs> uh, so that means that the DJ stuff is, you know, back in full effect. So been doing lots of gigs, um, uh, been taking care of bike shop stuff. Uh, as you guys know, I have a, a new baby. His name is Olin. He's really awesome. So lots of new developments. I'm getting fatter, new development as well. But enough of that. Um, let's get into some cray cray stuff because we're gonna go all night and we're gonna talk about everything. Um, you know, so so much cool stuff that I discovered. I kind of just like every time I find something new, I just put it in this file, keep it in my notes in my phone, and then download it later. So I'll show you guys what I have. Huge folder with the stuff. I kind of divided it into four sections, so we can kind of you know attack this and. In four different categories um anything from ancient technology to human origins megalithic structures and then scientific slash religious observations so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one guys 
Oh, got the yerba mate on deck. Stay focused. <laughs> yeah, so let's get started. Uh, I want to break into um, my recent, recently acquired theory of human origins. So this is kind of interesting because, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you guys know science thinks that they know everything until new discoveries are made and then they have to kind of change what the accepted uh you know um status quo for that scientific discovery at the time is so i kind of i have a little clip here of graham hancock kind of with uh, russell brand talking a little bit about about what he thinks about Mesoamerican cultures. So I found myself endlessly in opposition with archaeologists because I feel I need to point up their failures and their mistakes and to help the public to understand that we're not dealing with the word of God here. We're dealing with the word of fragile human beings who have their own egos and their own careers to pursue and who may pursue mistaken lies. And unfortunately, these are the people who we've entrusted with interpreting our past to us. And if they've got our past wrong, then it's only us through our own actions who are going to perhaps uh, put it right. Uh, and that's one of the things that I've done in this new book, which is called America Before. Not yet, Graham. No, that wasn't natural no, enough. No, it is natural. I'm going to say. I'm going to say why. No, it felt forced. Well, I'll tell you why, Russell. Because because I've taken a lot of stick for this. Your wife and daughter are chuckling. I've taken a lot of stick for this in particular, which is called the Clovis First Model. The Clovis First Model is a model of the peopling of the Americas. And it is a notion which has been taught in schools. It's based on archaeology, and it's been taught to every American, and indeed to people and me, all around I know the world. It. There was a bridge made out of ice, and uh, they crossed over the ice bridge, and then the bridge is gone now because it got too hot, and that's how they got there. Thank They've you. only you been there thirteen thousand years. You saved me a huge amount of talking. They popped over the ice bridge. And there's nothing else to worry about. Next. <laughs> well, exactly. That's it. And 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 basically, people were taught that there had been no human beings in America before. 13,000 years ago because there was a particular combination of lowered sea levels and an opening up of a ice-free corridor between the, in the North American ice. So, all right, first of all, th this is like word for word. I, I play this clip because this is exactly what I've been believing these days, which is that it's it's kind of weird to think that the Americas have only been founded and 13,000 years ago from hunter-gatherer type, uh, you know, civilizations. It, it makes absolutely no sense that you can get megalithic structures from those types of civilizations. So uh, everybody who, who, who thinks about the ancient oranges of, uh, origins of humans, the first thing that they're going to think of is the Americas, the, the new world. I, I, I also don't like the way that that's framed, the new world, as if as if the Mesoamerican cultures are are primitive or underdeveloped in some kind of way. So I, I've always felt a certain way about this whole idea that we all descend from Asiatic people, um, you know, that crossed over the the Bering Strait. I, I, I've always not liked that idea, but I'll show you guys some recent discoveries um, that supports this theory but here I'll, I'll that allowed people to pour through into the americas then ice and bridge I, and i'm not no no there's the ice bridge which is beringia but then you cross Ber Ber okay beringia is now the bering straits beringia connected at one time siberia to alaska it was above water it was an ice bridge sea level was 400 feet lower 
then than it is today. Okay, and it was an ice bridge. But then when you cross that ice bridge, what did you find? You found yourself confronting the North American ice cap, which is two miles deep. A mountain of ice, two miles deep, blocks your path. You're stuck in this bit of land between Siberia and Alaska. You can't go further. But then around 13,000 years ago, because of global warming, a corridor opens up in the middle of the North American ice cap that allowed people to trickle through it into the resource-rich Great Plains of North America. And for more yeah, than so 60 years, it was the position of archaeology that the first human beings to enter the Americas were those humans who came across the Bering Land Bridge 13,000 years ago, found that ice-free corridor, and entered the Americas. Because of that position, it was impossible to consider that it was not even worth thinking about America in the role of the origins of human civilization. Why should the Americas have had anything to do with the origins of human civilization if human beings had only been in the Americas for 13,000 years, whereas they'd been in Europe for 60,000 or 70,000 years? And by the way, recently there's just, just been an, a new piece of news the last couple of days, anatomically modern human remains in Europe dating close to 200,000 years ago have been, have been found. Um, and they'd been in Asia for 60 or 70,000 years, Australia for at least as long, but in America for only 13,000 years. So why would we look for the origins of civilization in America? And thus a whole avenue of inquiry concerning this vast landmass of the Americas was just cut off. By that's, that's the key, that the inquiries into anything beyond 13,000 years is cut off. And that's really unfortunate because it's like, it's like science used a ruler to measure the Americas and said, there's no way anything can be beyond 13,000 years old. But look at the erosion on these rocks and look at the way that this was formed. It has to be older. No, no, no. It can't be older than, you know. And it always goes back to 13,000 years uh, for whatever reason, 12,500, 13,000 years ago, um, the last ice age or whatever. But let's, let, let's take a look at why I think that this theory is wrong. First of all, <clears throat> If you look at a map, you can see that the ancient civilizations uh, with the oldest megalithic structures of the most complicated types um, are in South America, in the Peruvian area, like, uh, you know, the Andes, uh, Lake Titicaca and stuff like that, Otayantamba. We'll pull up, pull up some of that stuff in a bit, um, old megalithic structures. But you can see that here as an example... Uh, the idea is that people came in from the Bering Strait, came into Alaska, came down through North America, then through Mexico, somehow populated. They don't even, they leave out the islands here, even though there's a whole people that lived in the Caribbean islands and in South America. And then, you know, if, if this is true, then the older civilizations would be in the Northern American, Canadian areas and the, 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 Newer civilizations would be down here in South America, but the archaeolo the archaeological evidence points against that because the older megalithic structures are all in South America. The more complicated, bigger structures with you know stones weighing up to you know I don't know how many tons, stuff that can't be made today. And then you look at the ancient Mayan civilization, the ancient Aztec civilization in Central America and Mexico. And those structures are still big, but they are using smaller stone. 
So everything has kind of the structures became less complicated. The nor the norther, the further north you go in Amer in the Americas, the less complicated the structures get. You get to uh, New Mexico, California, and the Four Corners area, and you have uh, Native American tribes, First Nations, and you look back at their stuff, and they had some some really cool ruins that are dated at like a thousand years ago you know uh, or 100 bce or whatever and none of that stuff is as complicated or intricate or as scientific as some of the evidence found in south america the further up you go alaska the less stuff you get so this idea that everything migrated from north to south is really weird and that means that it would have that should that, that would have happened in thirteen thousand years uh, you know, all of this would have to be populated in 13,000. It just seems like not enough time to make all that happen. And then another huge piece of evidence is the fact that the islands in the Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, all of these islands here, island of Española, um, you know, they, they, they are not descendants of people from either Mexico or North America. They're descendants of South Americans. So the Arawak people, I'll pull it up right here so you guys can see. Um, uh, some people know them as the Taino people. Um, so th this would be the native indigenous population of the Caribbeans. And this is what, uh, you know, this is the people that Christopher Columbus or whatever encountered when he first landed in the Caribbeans and he thought when he thought he was in India. So he called these people Indians and for whatever reason, we're still Indians, but whatever, uh, you know, before they were known the Taino, they were known as the Arawak. And so these are actually really interesting people because the Arawak, um, not only did they bring traditions and certain things from South America, like, the cacao bean and tobacco and cocaine, the coca leaf. But they also brought up ayahuasca and a lot of the ancient, uh, what I would call psychedelic stuff that they used to do. Um, they used to sniff some stuff with some little pipe. They Let's see if I can pull up. Uh, yeah, right here. So cojoba is uh, one of these um, ceremonial trees with a Y-shaped nasal snuff that they would inhale. Uh, it was a psychoactive psycho drug. I read a lot about it. It has nothing to do with tobacco. It's it's a it's a um, it's a bean, a, a bean that contains D DMT, uh, which the Arawak people discovered in the Caribbean islands um, as a replacement for ayahuasca because that the plants necessary for ayahuasca didn't grow in the Caribbean islands. So they had to think of a new way to essentially still get DMT. They figured out a different way to synthesize it besides just uh, ayahuasca, which is really crazy. But um, yeah, the, the Arawak people is, is really interesting how they migrated from south to north. And they also discovered that because of basic language and hieroglyphs and stuff like this, uh, that um, most of that most of the Arawak people came from uh, came from South America, and not customs, artwork, 
um, everything um, came from South America. So it's, it's really interesting um, how, how they migrated up into the Caribbean islands. So if that's true, if they went from northern South America up into the islands, doesn't it stand to reason that if they traveled by sea, of course they would have traveled through the narrow land bridge um, that is Central America to get to Mexico, and essentially they would have founded the Mayans and the Olmecs and uh, the Aztecs that came after the Mayans and all of this. So, And you can see that um, some of the uh, civilizations do predate Mesoamerican Olmecs. So if if the history, the consensus of history today is that the Olmecs are not as old as some ancient um, South American, uh, like say for example, like the Incas, then then how could how could the Incas have come from the Olmecs from the Mexicans? It makes no sense. You know what I mean? It, it just literally doesn't make sense. But let's look at the archaeological evidence that supports this theory of south to north as opposed to north to south. One of the the first things that we can look at is archaeological evidence in uh in South America they found some uh some some human remains that are dated to something like 20,000 years ago. So how could they have found um 20,000 year old bones in South America, it makes no sense that they came over this land bridge uh, only 13,000 years ago. So that makes no sense at all. So a lot, let, let's look at through some of this stuff. So here is um, archaeological evidence found in, uh, I believe, Idaho that points to humans being in the area as long as 14,800 years ago. So, uh, you know, it says humans might have first settled North America around 16,000 years ago, right? Why? Because that's the latest piece of evidence. So now you just push it back a few years. Now it's 16. That, that makes no sense. Like, you can't say humans might have settled, might have first settled North America around 16,000 years ago because that's the earliest evidence that you have. You can't do that. You, you have to say that they could have been here before we can only prove they've been here up until 16,000 years ago. So the way that this is worded is very weird, you know. The the I like I like to think that science has formed a new religion, you know. Scientologists <laughs> took the name before they could have got to it, but you know, at this point they're going on faith. They're they're not really uh going on evidence. But um uh, na even Native American people don't want to consider this whole Bering Strait idea, you know, that 13,000 years ago, it just it just doesn't make any sense. And this article kind of goes through some of the same arguments that I just went through. So, But now excavations are now pointing at 16,000 years old in Pennsylvania as well. So in, in North America, they found 16,000. Have, I have an article somewhere in here where they found uh, some stuff could have been dated back 20,000 years in South America that is a, a recent like super big discovery um here's some uh rinky dinky 
article. First humans arrived in North America, 116,000. This guy's out of his mind. <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know, people want to push it back as far as they can. But, uh, you know, my, my, my guess is that humans have been around the continent of America for as long as they've been around in pretty much any other continent. I mean, look at animals. You go around the world, and I, I keep lizards, so I, I like to keep track of lots of reptiles. But it, there's crocodiles in China. There's crocodiles in Africa. There's crocodiles in Florida. There's crocodiles in Mexico, Brazil. There's crocodiles fucking everywhere. India. If crocodiles can evolve everywhere and more or less be the same animal, give or take a few features here and there, why is it that a humanoid being that can migrate and travel and hunt and gather, you would think that they would be able to evenly distribute pretty quickly. And the the, the, the history of humans is a lot older than people trying to make it look. I mean, look at the timeline of human evolution. I mean, Homo sapien has been around for, what, like, they say 200,000 years or something like this. So we can ne- we cannot account for anything beyond 12,000 years. A lot of people point to some ancient cataclysm that could have destroyed everything, you know, um, 12,500 years ago. I kind of like to believe that theory. It makes a lot of sense. A lot of ancient civilizations talk about um, things blowing up uh, about 12,500 years ago. So that's really interesting. Um, uh, other things that are unexplained is like uh, the islands uh, in the Pacific, you know, um, here this uh, maritime history says that people could have been boating around, you know, thousands of years ago. People could have been using boats thousands of years ago. So, you know, like there's evidence now that people were in the Philippines and in, you know, the Micronesian areas and the Polynesian and and Melanesian islands up to 100,000 years ago using primitive forms of uh, of boats to float around. So there's a lot of things that are unexplained. Um, DNA now points to the fact that um, ancient uh, civilizations in those areas could have been that old. And some of these paintings that they leave behind, pretty amazing um, Australian um, Aboriginal paintings that are... 100,000 years old or something crazy like that. So petroglyph type stuff. Really interesting. Um, Let's look at some of this um, megalithic structure stuff because that kind of explains a lot of the stuff. Uh, More gives you a more visual aspect as to why I believe some of this stuff, which is pretty pretty interesting. Um, First of all, my theory of south to north, um, you know, there's these, really crazy i'm sure if you watch ancient aliens or any of these fucking alien tv shows you would have seen like uh puma punku which is this crazy place that has these enormous blocks megalithic blocks cut out of solid stone really precisely and stuff um that scientists still to this day cannot date and have no idea how they were built um you know and they they say they could be 900 years old. It's like such a conservative estimate. Like, why Why do they do that? It makes no sense. You know what I mean? But the Romans could have cement 2,000 years ago, and that's how they built cathedrals because they're smart and they have technology. But the ancient Mayans, nah, they used, they used chisels and hammers, and they fucking they chiseled away at this shit for like 100 years as slaves. 
<laughs> that's what they want. That's what, that's what they want us to believe. That that's how we built this shit. It's ridiculous, you know. Oh, but no. But the Romans, no. They they had concrete. They invented concrete. Their technology was superior two thousand years ago. <laughs> but t- take a look at some of this crazy stuff. I mean, the way that it's aligned with uh, constellations and the the enormity of the fucking blocks uh, is pretty fucking incredible. And that's that's just some of the stuff that's in South America. There's there's a lot of stuff down there. I'll play a video of this guy at this place. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, Oyan Taitambo, which is uh, also the in Peru. Solid granite fucking rock. They are so heavy, of course, each of them, but also they are really tough, you know, really hard. This building material. Look at look at how those look, look at how enormous they fucking are. At the top of a mountain. It's crazy. You can see smaller stones down behind of you with only 50, 60 tons. A lot of archaeology discovered below each of them below each. So some of the interesting points that I have to make about this uh, these structures in South America that prove this uh, theory of a cataclysm happening in North America um, is the elevation. So the place where um, Puma Punku, the place that has these uh, crazy big old megalithic blocks, um, is is low. It's relatively low. Um, when you consider its elevation um, to sea level. So if there were a great flood of some sort, that would be the place to be flooded. So you always, I, I've always wondered, why did the Incas build Machu Picchu at the top of a fucking mountain where their air is really thin and there's nothing can grow there? And the answer might be that could be where they fled when this cataclysmic event happened and they had nowhere else to go. And that's how the Inca Empire was formed, which was the Mesoamerican Empire that came much later. And you can tell based on their construction that it came much later. Um, I mean, t- take a look at um, Puma Punku and some of the discoveries Is here. The body of one of the classic kind of statue monoliths, some we see in the Kalasasai temple, in the sunken temple. That thing's rad. Also in the museum. But here is one lying on the ground outside the eastern part of Tiwanaku. It's probably about six foot long. I'm going to measure this in a moment. I, I guarantee if we pull it open over, the underside of it will be in perfect condition. I bet you there's amazing carvings on it. We could actually... Look, check out some of this crazy of this, stuff he finds inside the building. Of Tiwanaku. It's where the Pacoitia monolith that was also found there. This is brand, brand new shit too. This is like some, Which some is, brand new um, shit. Got this Sumerian potentially inscription. Very similar to Gobekli Tepe. Tiwanaku and Puma Punku. Obviously all, all over cool the rocks. Inca world as well. And this shape was incidentally a pool. Like a horizontal pool on top of the Akapana pyramid. We have the false doorways that kind of go nowhere. We see similar styles at um, Oriente Tambo, uh, where we see these kind of small doorways that go nowhere. This is the back of one of the main uh, artifacts that are in this secret room in the museum. 
this is yet another doorway and you can see that this is a very prominent design spec that we find this is the front of the one i just showed you and it just shows you the intricate technology of stonework that they were working with here it's just really quite remarkable that this room is out of bounds you can't go in there i was very fortunate i timed it on a day when they were doing works in the room um, but hopefully these will be on display at some point uh, because I feel they're very important. This is obviously a hold stone. Um, we see we do find examples in the Tiwanaku site um, that are used for acoustic properties. But these ones really intrigue me. These have got like sort of hexagons on them, um, which uh, on them, which almost like come up like kind of tubes into the surface. Now, I first thought, myself and JJ thought they were kind of like part of the headdress of Viracocha that we find on some of the statues. But there's a couple of other examples here which are very baffling. We've seen similar stones like this at Pumapunku. We, so these are probably from Pumapunku. It's probably a design spec of that site. All along the bottom of this one, you can see little bits of evidence Look at that one. That there crazy. as well. Uh, with the cross obviously carved in the center and you can see down the left hand side there as well probably more of these shapes kind of emerging like a 3d almost crystal coming out of the rock these are obviously parts of the aqueducts that we find all over Tiwanaku and there are all these theories that maybe they aren't carving the stone maybe they're molding it or softening it in a way they call it geopolymer technology there's all these conspiratorial theory talk about how the stone is formed kind of makes sense but when you look closely you can see that it's got these shapes these beautiful geometric shapes all over the outer edge so what's this is it the representation of some kind of look at that look at how the lines follow the hexagonal pattern aqueducts here probably used for water but it could have been a metal processing plant and again doors to nowhere this is very reminiscent of what we see at pumapunku so the things we're finding here at tiwanaku that are not on display uh are possibly to me these are some of the most important pieces that have been found at tiwanaku and pumapunku so we hope one day they will be on display because um they're very important this is very abstract there's different kind of glyphs almost carved on this one almost like a some kind of writing uh, as you can see more detail as we zoom in a little bit there again we sort Crazy of abstract stuff. forms this doesn't look very neat and tidy but again they're actually uh an example of another type of keystone cut and we have like a drill we'll talk about keystone there, cuts in a bit as well have some interesting information about keystone cuts and this old stone stuff but look at um Ot Ot or however you pronounce this fucking place look at these damn rocks this video that all of as they are referred to that are on the delivery path from the quarry they're they're enormous moved too well the stone is slowly starting to harden certain quartz rich igneous stones could be look at the fittings Let, let's let's pay attention to the fittings and fitted into these amazing natural status over time look at look at the fittings of the stone right now let's pay attention to these fittings because these are not only just found in South America, but this old megalithic work. If you look at the Easter Island wall, very similar. And if you look at some of the newly discovered ancient ruins in Cambodia, 
that I'll show you guys next. They have very similar stone stacking, uh, which is pretty incredible how they can have these curves and these, you know, perfectly mated surfaces, but then this area here be a perfect shape that, you know, was required for whatever reason, whatever they used this for. Um, really interesting. To me, so it couldn't be softened. Check that out. It was left behind. This is why it's still there, right in the way, in several places. Because now, the, the thing about these structures is that I hope that you found this video. It's kind of obvious that these are megalithic and incredible and really old. And then the newer civilization, the Incas, they just kind of built on top of it with smaller rocks. You can see, you can tell the difference between the Inca structure and the potentially, you know, pre-12,500 year old rock that's sitting there in, you know, Pumapunku and Ollantaytambo. Just pretty crazy stuff. Like, even, like, this rock has, like, interesting cuts. Really precise cuts. Looks like you can almost do that with, like, with, like, a router or, I don't know. And then, and then peculiar holes in within that cut. Super interesting. What, what would you need that for? And why would you go through the trouble of doing that? Really trippy. But uh, take a look at some of the rocks and how they're fitted in uh in some of these other places that 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 I've been looking at um specifically um Cambodia Cambodia has some some really interesting stuff and also um also Easter Island here let's let's check out Easter Island for a second because, you know, Easter Island would be, you know, maybe somewhat closer to South America. You can see South America's here. You know, this is kind of where, like, Lake Titicaca is and, like, you know, Pumapunku and, like, Easter Island right here. Kind of trippy, right? But, like, if we kind of, you know, we used to think that these were just heads until they excavated them. We realized they're actually huge megalithic structures, which is really trippy. But um, there's a wall inside of easter island so we won't get much into like their ancient mytholo mythology and the things that they believed because they have some crazy super crazy ideas on how the universe was created and uh you know the 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 anthropological evidence for for these sites it's ridiculous like they were only recently discovered like in the 90s or whatever and some maybe in the like like nineteen twenty eight or something like that, but but they want to say that this was created only nine hundred years ago or something. It's really dumb. Scientists have no excuse for being so lazy. But see, no, they don't have the wall in here. But there's a wall built in um, Easter Island that looks very similar to these other walls in uh, in South America. It's really trippy. Here, let's go to. Maybe I got it up in this motherfucker. Let's see. And I'll, I'll show you guys. No, I don't have the picture. But he, here's a, the, the images of the keystone cuts, which are done on rocks in South America, right? So at the edge of every rock, you can see that there's almost like some type of connection here. Some type of cut into the stone to form a connection. And that's really interesting because... It's not the only place where they have them. Here's another piece of another picture of a keystone cut. Right? 
almost as if they poured maybe like molten metal in there or something to form like a brace, a connection brace to keep them from shifting apart. Um, so there, there are several images of keystone cuts. The crazy thing is that some of these pictures are from Cambodia. So that's really interesting because they use the exact same technology in Cambodia. Can somebody explain that? I, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of um, Angkor Wat in Cambodia, but there's like a place um, that's like enormous and has all these crazy uh, – I'll show you guys. Um, it, it's really an amazing place. Uh, it's it's enormous. Um, there's there's huge megalithic work, uh, and you know thousands of man hours of rock cut out of this place with super intricate carvings covering every inch of this place. And people want to say that this was also created maybe 900 years ago, and it's enormous. It's the size of like 300 football fields or something like this. Really amazing place. Um, and this place has some stones that have also keystone cuts in them. So it's kind of interesting. And they found other things inside of Angkor Wat that are really interesting. Besides other ancient monuments, I'll show you guys. Because every, everybody knows that. Well, not everybody. But in, in Southeast Asia, Thailand, you know, Cambodia, and these places, they're pretty close to India. And so before they were Buddhists, the the people spoke a language called Brahmi and before they were Buddhists they wrote in Sanskrit and they, they were Hindus. They worshipped uh Naga, that is an a depiction of, of Naga, and then they worshipped uh Vishnu and like all the Hindu gods. So it, it's really interesting to see ancient Hindu temples in Southeast Asia uh using these like look at this river covered in what they call lingams, which are these weird little orb-like things that somebody took the trouble of carving out for miles in this damn river. Really intense, really crazy place. Um, with intricate carvings all along the banks like this of just ancient Hindu gods. And you see a lot of keystone cuts there. You see a lot of similar technology. Here's an image of a lingam with... Uh, the things surrounding it and if you if you look at this it's kind of interesting because this is like a huge diagram of Angkor Wat if you think about it you have the entrance of Angkor Wat you have the five towers and you have the surrounding moat right and then you have this or this is the moat with lingams inside of it and then you have the surrounding area so if you look at Angkor Wat and the layout is very similar and this other place is like miles away from this place so it seems like the design traits are similar across so this is how it this is how it looks from the aerial photo so it look very similar to that drawing in the water really weird stuff and uh, you know this is dated like 200 BCE or something this is abandoned. This is you can just go visit this place. It's it's just on some random trail. You can just go and find it in Cambodia. Cambodian authorities don't really close this stuff off. It's kind of just open for anyone to check out. Um, you can see a few more images of the same carvings here. 
you can see water is just running over it. Nobody is keeping this from erosion or anything. It's been there thousands of years. Nobody cares. Or according to scientists, hundreds of years. But really interesting. These ruins are just in the middle of the jungle on a random trail. Almost looks like something destroyed everything there. Some type of earthquake, cataclysmic event or something. But there's this dude on YouTube who kind of reviews more more of these Southeast Asian um, areas. Um, I'll play one of his clips for you guys. And if you want to check out more of his stuff, you can kind of maybe look up his YouTube. I'll, I'll play one for you guys here. Here, let's see. Oh, here's another interesting discovery, recent discovery, is this crazy that they found in Cambodia as well. Uh, a stone turtle in Cambodia. So somebody dug up this stone turtle um, inside of the moat of Angkor Wat because nobody even bothered to uh, to dig in there. But they pulled out. Well, first they pull, pulled out the turtle, right? And it had, it looked like this. Had no cutouts or anything, but they tapped all around it and figured out that it was hollow. And so then they uh, they picked at it and they realized that these turtles had, uh, it was more, more than one, that they had holes in their back. So, and keep in mind, these things were buried under dirt and underwater. So... They open these things up, and you can see some of them had a triangular shell like this. Some of them had a square shell like this. And um, what they found inside was a silica gel substance in in within the uh, stone. And keep in mind, this thing is made of solid stone. And in there, they found that silica gel putty stuff um, in one of them with uh, some type of brass wires in there. Um, and then they found these um, these quartz crystals, like hundreds of quartz crystals inside of these turtles. Um, they plucked all the crystals out and kind of took them to these Buddhist temples and they started worshiping them, which is like really unfortunate because bunch of archaeological evidence just went to some random temples and no one even knows where it went anymore but they also found these tridents um so if we look at the configuration of the elements we have a turtle we have some type of of liquid um you can say like ah, silica would be like a transistor or like a type of you know it it it's an electrical component, let's say. And everybody knows that quartz is a piezoelectric um, uh, mineral. So if you apply pressure to quartz, it creates electricity. And if you apply electricity to quartz, it creates vibration. And so people speculating that maybe this was some type of ancient radio or that was either emitting or receiving signals as a, some type of ancient 
uh, communication device. And that's, you know, lots of speculation, but it is kind of strange that they found actual quartz silica gel and bronze wires all within the inside of these uh, strange turtles buried underground. I admit that that's really that's a really weird thing um, to just find underground. So uh, I took the trouble of looking up some some crystal stuff to show you guys some really OG videos on crystal science. So that because look, I I hate to talk of crystals because crystals get really woo woo, you know. Like all right, every time someone brings them crystals, even I clown on people that that think crystals have energies and shit like this. Like it, it's just ridiculous, but. Some of my homies are like, oh, no, I love crystals, bro, energy and chakras and shit like this. And, you know, besides all of that woo-woo stuff, let's focus on the true science behind crystals. Crystals are actually amazing. We use crystals to power speakers. You know, like if you ever heard of a speaker with a piezo tweeter, that speaker has a crystal inside of the driver, that which is performing those tweeter-like sounds. Um, and, you know, quartz watches function on a quartz crystal. Um and a lot of things function on crystals. So crystals are actually like pretty amazing. You can see in this video. You've learned that frequency stability is of the utmost importance. As an example, let's <laughs> look at this dude's haircut. Broadcast station. One particular regulation prohibits the frequency of the station from changing more than a few cycles. So that the station will not interfere with another station operating on a nearby frequency. Now, for this reason, the oscillator producing this frequency must be one with the very best frequency stability. Crystal, by which mechanical stress produces electric charges. And conversely, electric charges produce mechanical stresses. Now this is saying nothing more than if a voltage is applied to the crystal, it will vibrate. The amplitude of these vibrations are such, are much greater at one frequency than at any other frequency. Now this one particular frequency is called the natural resonant frequency of the crystal. Now let's look at some of the crystal substances that possess the piezoelectric characteristics. They are Rochelle salt, tourmaline, and quartz. Now, of these three, Rochelle salt exhibits the piezoelectric effect to the greatest degree. And uh, today we have ceramics that do the same thing, ceramic crystals. Now, also, quartz crystal in its natural form has pointed ends. Now, let's take a look at this drawing so that we can determine more about the quartz crystal. The top viewed indeed shows us that the quartz crystal has a hexagon shape, six per diamond cutting. Air, this a frequency stability must be maintained between two parallel plates of the holes. See that the Q of the crystal would be many times greater than that of the LC tank. We said that the crystal must exhibit the piezoelectric effect. So that's crazy. The, the government, you know, making these videos explaining piezoelectricity one of the most beautiful and useful of minerals is rock crystal or quartz 
quartz is brilliant and clear in its pure form, but it takes on colors and tints when it contains holding angles of... Check out how far the military was willing to go to to mine crystal from Brazil. The rings on the... For the war. Has a for sonar, for submarines. The frequency on that required when the ellipse turns as slowly as shown here up to heights much greater than those expected under normal operating conditions. When room pressure is attained, the bells are filled and sealed. <laughs> so it's crazy. You know, we use crystals for almost everything. Uh, here's a schematic of a, of a quartz tuning fork inside of a quartz watch. And this is how we're able to get, uh, you know, every second so precise on every digital watch, basically. So crystals are used for very scientific purposes. Um, this is a, a quartz tuning fork inside of a, of a basic watch. And any old watch that you get will have one of these things in there. Unless it's a mechanical watch, of course. But a mechanical watch loses, I don't know, something like five seconds per day. A quartz crystal doesn't lose any seconds. So this, this is made of quartz. And basically, you feed electricity to the fork, and it vibrates at 32,000, some amount of hertz or whatever. Uh, and so that, you divide it many, many times, and basically you get 60 seconds. Um, and this is how it keeps precise count. So it's interesting to think that back in the day, people were potentially maybe using old frequency technology, not only to build these monolithic structures, but for communication. We just we just don't know, because most of this stuff is just destroyed, and we just kind of built on top of it. So I always found that to be really really interesting. But uh, a lot of these old ancient structures have such similarities. It just it trips me out. Let's see if I can find that Easter Island wall that I wanted to show you guys on. That looks very similar to Peruvian construction. And how the rocks... Yeah, this is it right here. Check out these rocks. I mean, tell me that the fitting on these stones doesn't look very similar to... Um, to Peruvian walls it just there's just no way in my mind that these two things can be unrelated it looks like Otayantambo to me it looks it looks the same I just it, it, what is the coincidence that, that, that these walls can all be built with similar construction um, and some of the Cambodian walls are even more trippy um, they are really really uh, they really show the degree to which they were built. Um, let me see if I can pull up one of those for you guys. Check this out. This is guy. Check this guy out on YouTube. He's pretty chill. Look at this stone. This is in Cambodia. Or it may not even be a stone. It may be like a geopolymer technology. Because look, 
There's nothing in between, no connection. Look here. And then there are it's similar to the Inca Empire building on top of these structures. The ancient uh, Khmer people of Cambodia built on top of these megalithic structures. These were there before the Khmer Empire, which is 900 years old. These corners completely using single stone blocks. This needs extraordinary engineering. Now. Let's go on the other side to see what's going on. Shout out to the new subs. I see y'all. Look at this piece again. No connection on the corners. But look here. This is not even just like one piece. It goes all the way here. And apparently bends. The stone is bending at an angle. It's curving. And then comes here. Goes at a 45 degree angle. <laughs> goes all the way outside. And I may have to go outside to show you where this rock ends because this may not even be a rock. This is extraordinary technology. How <laughs> they build this? It really is crazy, though. Here, right? The Going fitting of the, the stone is what intrigues here. me. Look at this piece. There is a small bump. It's very similar to to, to Otayantambo, and it even has holes in the rock. Some of the stones are rectangular or trapezoid, right? But none of these two-dimensional faces have four corners. They have more than four corners. This is extraordinary technology. Each one must weigh, I don't know how many thousands of pounds, and they were able to build this huge jigsaw puzzle 900 years ago. Now, how did they make this? And traditionally, archeologists and historians will tell, well, they did it out of hard work. They were using chisels and hammers, and they were calculating using threads seems impossible to me to make these using chisels and hammers but <laughs> I, impossible to make them these are trippy too and, and ancient hindu and structures have a lot of these rotated types stone structures these can be created only using late technology they have to have a rotating mechanism a rotary mechanism to create these type of you know, I mean, how else would you fucking chisel now, that? You, you you're going to chisel that out with a fucking hammer and a chisel? That's fucking impossible. Look at the carvings. Here. Look at this column, right? It's a little bit intact, and it has a little bit more light. So look at this column. Look at, look at these pieces, right? See, these were created using late technology. This proves that ancient builders were using machining technology. So how did they manage to have first high Look at how from fucking... the ground level? And according to locals, all these rocks were not cut from the mountaintop. They were cut from the ground and then transported here. You see this doorway. You see if we look at how these are cut and placed. Now look inside. If you look inside, it appears as though they've cut all these solid chunks, just like cutting butter. Look at the inside of these separate. That's crazy these precision right there. have separated because of an earthquake. And look inside, and you will be able to see the surface of these blocks. Look at how smooth they are generations and the oldest structures 
were built around 900 AD by a king called Yasovarman. And this part of the temple was said to be built by him. Oh, I think this is some kind the, of... This the, the side. The sad part about uh, Cambodian structures is that because of the religion there and the many wars that have been fought, you know, Buddhism and versus Hinduism, you know, the, these structures are no longer considered Hindu structures, but they are now considered Buddhist structures. And they chiseled off a lot of these Hindu gods and put up their own, uh, you know, their, their own Buddhas and stuff. And I, I have nothing against Buddha. You know, I think Buddha's cool, but they kind of destroyed some of the archaeological evidence and replaced it with their own ideologies. You know, they just put it right on top over the last hundred years or so. So that's kind of sad, but it, it's really an interesting place. I, I may want to go check out, you know, um, you know, Cambodia because it's got a lot of really cool stuff. Look at Angkor Wat and how they kind of like... LIDAR works in a similar way to radar. It scans the ground by sending out a million laser points every four seconds and analyzing the information reflected back. The time it takes for each pass to break through the trees, hit the ground and return is measured. The results are then mapped. The LIDAR data renders an outline of everything on the surface of the land. The glory of Angkor Wat becomes a ghostly outline of digital points. But LIDAR also reveals subtle indentations on the ground, and these reveal the shape of the original city. Angkor Wat is shown to be surrounded by the ghostly outline of a vast metropolis. And we can use this data to rebuild the city of Angkor as it would have looked over 900 years ago. <laughs> and they, they're, they're not willing to go beyond a thousand years ago because it just, because then, you know, it makes European architecture look bad if, it, if any of this stuff is older. So nothing can really go beyond a, you know, a thousand years ago. It's kind of sad. But, I mean, it's kind of clear to me that, that this, even the locals say that these structures have been there for longer than any of the people have, have ever really recorded. So the, these things have been there for a long, long time. And to say that these were created 900, I mean, it's possible, you know, it's possible. It was, it was a lot of work, but... Just like the Inca Empire, you can see how they built stone structures on top of the megalithic structures. And you can tell right away. I'll show you. Um... Famous like Machu Picchu is, but it's equally as impressive because it has some astonishing megalithic work, which defies for the three megalithic. So you can see the OG stuff, crazy OG stuff. Stone that don't fit together. So why would anyone? And then you can see the Inca Empire stuff is all the little rock stuff. They they you know stack stones and use mortar to hold it together. That stuff came. They they just added on top of these structures. So I think in a similar fashion, Cambodia did something very similar where they found these ancient megalithic okay. structures. And then on top of them, they, the, 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 the civilizations that came after them, the Khmer Empire, then they added stuff on top of that. So it, to me, 
that makes way more sense. Um, just like the pyramids, you know, people say that the Sphinx is probably at least 12,600 years old, but science won't let it go beyond, I think, like 1,200 years ago, 1,200 BCE or 2,000, I don't know, they, they, no, 2,000 BCE, 4,000 years old. I think that's as old as they're willing to go these days. They won't go as far as 12,600 years, even though all the evidence points to that. So here's another interesting thing. Under the coast of Cuba, they found some pyramid structures using uh, LIDAR also. Um, really interesting stuff. All in the Caribbean islands um, underwater. So that's another interesting recent discovery. Uh, this was June 4th. Um, so a lot of new things, you know, technology has come a long way. So a lot of new things are being discovered. Who knows what's under those waters? Um, you know, they say the ocean is one of the least explored places that we have. Um, same for uh, Cambodia. Look, that here's a map of Angkor Wat and the, what, what would have been the huge network of... You know, there's like hundreds of temples that are destroyed there that are growing trees out of them that look really cool. Uh, I wish I could have time to explore all that stuff. But, um, yeah, some of this... I mean, everybody knows the, the the pyramids and Stonehenge and these things, but I kind of want to look into some of these um, lesser known ones. This is another one that was discovered recently, and so, so th th there's a lot of really new, interesting discoveries. Um, of course, here maybe I think there's another video. From the same dude. This place is about four reach. It's coming out. Oh yeah, this, the water. And some of them are inside water. And comes, look, you don't even see it. And you can see Brahma coming from his navel. Actually, I think the paint must have been a little bit fresh. The paint next lingam, the diameter must be at least like two feet long. That's a typical Vishnu sleeping on a giant snake with his wife. I, I hope you guys like this video. Thanks a lot for watching. Don't forget <laughs> to subscribe. Yeah, check that guy out. He, he he has like hundreds of videos on just ancient structures in India and Southeast Asia. Pretty interesting, dude. Um, but yeah, so this is just some, some of the weird correlations that you can make between some of these newer discoveries and some of these older discoveries. There There's a lot of... Uh, um, controversy based around this the the cambodian government a lot of these sites were open to the public and they were just getting ruined from all the tourists like angkor wat is like the number one tourist place in cambodia and it's just people were just stomping all over it taking selfies and shit just destroying stuff so that and someone's got to put a stop to that but you know back to ancient civilizations to me it makes sense something happened twelve thousand years ago force people to seek high ground and then you know who knows how long humans have been in north america but it definitely seems to me that the migration started from south to north and if you look at uh southeast asia you can see that they definitely migrated from i would say the tibet area um where uh nepal the origins of 
of Buddhism and Hinduism and all that stuff came over to Southeast Asia. But, of course, people have been there for thousands of years as well. I don't know how old the Southeast Asian cultures are, but they're re re really ancient. Um, same for Australia. I mean, people say Australians are one of the, here, here, 60,000 years ago. They've had aboriginals there um, with crazy uh, theories of how the universe was created and, you know, and we don't know anything about them because Europeans went and basically destroyed any evidence of any ancient civilizations in the last, like, 400 years on purpose because it was uh, not with in accordance with the Catholic Church. Um, some of the places here in, in North America, in the Four Corners, New Mexico, um, they don't have megalithic structures, but they have pretty interesting old structures. This one is uh, said to have been 900 years old or something. So it's a really interesting place. Um, here's a, a, a city within a cave here in North America as well. I haven't visited any of these places. I'm like Google visiting <laughs> at the moment. But, I mean, it, if you look at the history, the, the, take a look at this chart for the evolution of, of, of life on Earth. And we go as far back as scientists are willing to say 4.6 billion years ago, right? And then we get right up to here to the Holocene era, which is 11,700 years old. And then before that, we aren't really willing to put humans there. Like, you know, for whatever reason, we think modern humans were only capable, like Homo sapiens was, civilization was only capable of being created no longer than 10,000 years ago. You know, there's lots of evidence for it before that. They just like to think that we were living in caves. Who knows what was going on in those days? The honest truth is we don't know how old these structures are, you know? And uh, we should have more of an open mind when we're looking up this stuff. I don't have to tell you guys about ancient Aztec calendars and, you know, all of this stuff is really, really interesting. And I'm sure you guys have looked into it. I just kind of want to look at the stuff people haven't looked at. And they're... Another thing to check out, this is movie Chariot of the Gods, if, no, if nobody has checked it out. Kind of puts a lot of this stuff into perspective. The Aboriginals, the Ark of the Covenant, which we could talk a little bit about. One side of the plates carrying a negative charge, the other a positive one. The Bible says the Ark bristled with sparks and bright flashes, as in these old paintings. Indeed, when Moses had erected the Ark, the Lord would speak to him through it. Christianity is a really weird thing too is I think it's it's overlooked a lot of the time because the Bible writes about Egypt it writes about the Tower of Babel it writes about Babylon it writes about a lot of stuff and uh, and we kind of overlook it uh, we could take a look at just the Ark of the Covenant for now um, and some of the implications of the Ark there's this guy he's a really cool guy Nassim Haramein which talks he made a video. He's a, a physicist. He made a video and uh, his take on the Ark of the Covenant. I'll show you guys that in a second. But for anyone that doesn't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, it's uh, an ancient 
technological artifact written about in the Bible that um, can move rocks. And if you looked at it for too long, you would basically your skin would burn. You would die. So here, here, I'll just I'll pull up the wiki for it. Um, just a quick biblical account. So, you know, everyone this seems to think that Moses, when he um, crossed the sea, that he used his staff that he brought. He 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 he. He, he pulled up his staff and was like, oh, and then the fucking sea parted or whatever. That's not what happened at all. You read the Bible, and I've read the whole Bible. It says that th- he followed a pillar of fire, uh, and that that thing was what split the waters open. It wasn't God. It was the thing that he took from Egypt. Something because, you know, he was essentially taking the Jews that were being enslaved in Egypt. And he was helping them escape. That's why it's called Exodus. And he took the Ark of the Covenant from Egypt. It could be the thing that was maybe within the pyramid, this ancient technological artifact, whatever it is. But it's what parted the waters. And there was a pillar of fire that escaped from it. And people walked with it as it parted the waters. And it's not the only account. Um, There's also an account of it... uh, parting uh some rivers and then there's also stories of them using the ark of the covenant in battle and using it to carry stones and throw stones at people there's the story of the dude who fucking looks at it and turns to stone and there's a story of people putting on particular types of ointments on their body to keep from burning up when they come close to the ark all of this shit came from the Bible. And it's, it's really specific as well it, in the construction of the container for the Ark of the Covenant. Um, you know, people like to think that the Ark of the Covenant is this fucking box right here, but it's not. It's what's inside the box. And the, the Bible actually has an account of how to build the box to keep it. And it's made of basically pure gold. Um, so if if something was really conductive, that's what I would keep it in. But anyways, enough of that. Um, here's the video of Nassim kind of explaining what his thoughts are on the Ark of the Covenant. Well, you know, if you look at these, so when you look at all these different cultures that talk about the sun gods, they talk about them bringing a lot of aspects to their society, uh, you know, engineering, mathematics, and all this stuff. But it's, uh, and from the Sumerian center of the gods, the center of the sun gods culture, uh, it seemed to be the center of their craft, their, the power source of their craft. And it's given to man to bring us to new levels of understanding and technology to help us along our path. Uh, uh, organizations are put together and that um, in, in culture you have to shield yourself from, that you have to handle it very, very careful oh, capability that are all centered around this object that, you know, uh, is described in various ways uh, as some kind of crystalline structure that produces high levels of radiation 
that you have to shield yourself from, that you have to handle it very, very carefully, but that can help you uh, lift very large objects, that can make you split water, the cor you know, stop the course of water in a river, uh, open a lake in half, um, you know, stop the, open a, a, a sea, um, and, and it becomes something that you can actually, this object or the legend about this object is something you can start to follow through history. Um, and, and most likely there was many of them uh, on the earth at the time in this previous evolution which again in all of these cultures is said to have ended with a great flood, a great catastrophe. And Right, so maybe people had multiple of these type of arcs that were used to form stone and to maybe... Maybe when you brought stone near this thing, it softened and they were able to make those intricate shapes. Who knows? But whatever this thing is, maybe there were more than one. You can imagine that um, before the Great if Flood. you brought something that powerful to a culture that is not quite ready for, uh, the experiment could go array. That is... You know, people would start, may start getting greedy, may start trying to use it for destructive power and so on. And um, this is kind of what you get, the sense you get from studying all these cultures, that that previous evolution uh, had been given this power from the sun gods and developed very, very quickly to very advanced, but had... Um, you know, uh, difficulties in their level of consciousness to be able to uh, truly live at, le at that level of technological advancement. And it is, um, it is appropriate, and I think it is uh, conclusive when you read all those texts, that the sun gods may have thought, we need to remove this object from this planet. We need to take it back and let them evolve, uh, learn about technology, learn about physics, learn about wars and what destruction does. And, you know, with, without this power, so that, you know, they would get the, that they would get the maturity necessary to actually come back to this level of technology eventually. And... I think that this natural cataclysm of the Great Flood, which might have been the meltdown of the last Ice Age, um, give them an opportunity to throw human consciousness and our evolution back in time, in, if you'd like, in our evolution, back into the dark ages, almost, almost back to the caves. And... Uh, and that's interesting because that, that's kind of exactly what what I've been saying is that that would have been why the Inca Empire built Puma or sorry Machu Picchu way up in the Andes and decided to farm in a plateau structure. That may be why the Aztec Empire built their first city within a lake and farmed using... Um, 
what are those things called? Campechas, I forgot, but the, you know those water type farms uh, to grow corn, and and it could be why the Native Americans of North America, uh, why all of their beliefs is that they came from under the ground, from caves, that the original people came from caves, and then one day they came back out after the Great Flood. Every every ancient culture has a story of the Great Flood, by the way. And give us an opportunity to grow and to mature before we regain this power. And as they did so, they left all of the information and some of the devices under very specific conditions um, on the planet so that we could recover the information eventually. And so I followed the link. And eventually, in the case of the Egyptian, I found that it went from the Egyptian tradition. Uh, in the Egyptian tradition, is, it's represented as a sphere with wings. And the wings is uh, because... And everybody's seen that, that object, the, 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 the sphere with the wings. You know, the, you know, the Freemasons use it. A lot of people use that symbol. Um, for the sun god or whatever. I, it can hover. It has gravitational capability. And it's related to the sun, Ra, you know. And it's represented on top of all the temple, at the entrance of all the temple. And, uh, and, I, and that is why the sun gods were, were called uh, sun gods. It's not because they venerated our physical sun. It's because they're power came from an object that resembled a sun a very radiant object so eventually you follow it through the Egyptian culture uh, and you find that it is removed from that culture by a high priest that eventually realized that he is not Egyptian but that he is actually born from Jewish descendants and his name is Moses and he you know revolts against the Pharaoh of the time he everybody knows the story about the battles of manifestation that goes on and we'll get into a little bit of uh, uh, biblical genealogical genealogical charts in a second kind of like you know the descendancy of humanity in the in the uh, after the great flood after noah in the middle east so we'll get into that in a bit but we'll let this guy finish you know frogs are falling from the sky he throws his staff down and changes it into a snake and all these things and then eventually he wins that battle of manifestation that might be related to being able to use this technology who can use it the best and then he wins this, and the pharaohs allowing to leave, and with his with his tribes of Israel, and he takes off. But being the highest priest in Egypt, he has access to this object. And what I believe, and it's clear in the Bible when you read it, as he's going to the words the Red Sea, he is following something very specific. This pillar of cloud and this pillar of light at night 
that he's following towards the Red Sea. This is sea. true. I've read the I Bible. It says he that. actually takes off with the object, which is not what the high priest expected and the Pharaoh expected. So the Pharaoh realized he's taken off with this object. He gets upset about it, turns around and chases after him. In the Bible, it just says that he had a change of heart. I believe that it's because he realized he, that Moses left with this very powerful object. Moses goes towards the Red Seas following this object, and then it's said that he lifts his staff and the Red Sea opens. But if you actually read in the Bible much later, there's another instance where water is separated, and that is when the crossing of the Jordan occurs. And it's in the section where Joshua is now in charge of the tribes of Israel. And in this instant, it is much clearer. It is, there's much more detail on how it's done. And it's clear, and if you read it, that the uh, Ark of the Covenant of God was used uh, to open the Jordan and in the paragraphs where it talks about it it says and it shall be said that the Jordan was uh, open as the Red Sea was opened by Moses and saying that the same uh, forces were used to open the Red Sea before and that means that the power of the ark is not the box object that's described uh, in the Bible as, be as being built at the foot of Mount Sinai after crossing the Red Sea. But the power is something that was an object that was taken out of Egypt and eventually that needed to be placed in some kind of protective uh, device that is described as the box-like object covered in gold on the outside and covered in gold on the inside, which is basically a large capacitor, right? Which a capacitor is a device that, that holds energy and that could, in this case, shield the energy. And so um, it was most appropriate if they were going to travel in the desert that they built as fast as possible some kind of device to carry this object around. And so there's a, there's a split there that happens. There's, there's a misunderstanding there that happens. The power yeah. of the ark is something, is one object, and the ark itself is another. And the power of the ark, I believe, came right out of Egypt, which came prior to that right out of the evolution of Atlantis. And that's why... Yeah, I don't know what he goes on right here, but... And so they were... But I agree with him on on what the Ark of the Covenant could have potentially been. And it's a really interesting um, observation. And as some of these old movies kind of talk a little bit about... Uh, <laughs> like uh, the, the old Indiana Jones movie, I'll show you. <laughs> the Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. How the Nazis, and it's true that the Nazis were in fact looking for the Ark of the Covenant. That is something they were actually doing actively. Um, I think Himmler, Himmler, or whatever his name is, I fucking forgot, and Hitler himself were into the occult. So they, they are actively searching for this thing. 
There's the pillar of fire, you see the the, the, the the representation of the pillar of fire. So that's crazy. But you know, that's just uh this is just a movie, but you know. It's it's interesting to think that this object could have come from ancient Egypt and uh, that the Israelites took possession of it. And that's how they were able to win wars. And that's how – one I remember reading the Bible in one of those instances. He's able to they're, – they're able to throw stones using the Ark of the Covenant. So it can do a lot of different things. Um, really interesting. Um the the Ark of the Covenant. I, I I could go on for days about the Ark and its origins and 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 what it really is and all this stuff. Um, it's just really interesting. I'll show you guys another video of uh, uh Have you guys ever watched the movie uh, um, Stargate? There, there's an interesting correlation to the origin of humanity and maybe what the Ark of the Covenant could have been. Thought you couldn't speak their language. Excuse me. It's an ancient Egyptian dialect. I mean, unlike the rest of their culture, it's evolved completely independently. But uh, once you know the vowels, just answer the question. Well, um, well, I mean, you just—I just had to learn how to pronounce it. I mean, it hasn't been a living spoken language in more than one thousand years. I mean, look at this. It says, uh, a traveler from distant stars escaped from a dying world looking for a way to extend his own life. His body decaying and weak, he couldn't prevent his own demise. Apparently, his whole species was becoming extinct. So he traveled or searched the galaxies looking for a way to cheat death. The Anunnaki. And, uh, the reptilian species. Rich with life. <laughs> where he encountered a primitive race, humans, <laughs> a species which angels with all his powers and knowledge he could maintain indefinitely. He realized within a human body he had a chance for a new life. Now he apparently found a young boy. Demons. Says, as the frightened villagers ran, night became day. Curious and without fear, he walked towards the light. Ra took him and possessed his body like some kind of a parasite looking for a host. And inhabiting this human form, he appointed himself ruler. He used the Stargate to bring thousands of people here to this planet as workers for the mines. Just like the one we saw, this mineral is clearly the building block of all his technology. With this, he can sustain eternal life. Now, 
Something happened, where is it, back on Earth? A rebellion or uprising, and the Stargate was buried there. Fearful of a rebellion here, Ra outlawed reading and writing. He didn't want the people to remember the truth. <laughs> Jackson! <laughs> uh, that movie's hilarious. But it's a, it's a good, you know, artistic way of representing what could have been. Then, of course, the show came after the movie, Stargate SG-1, if any of y'all remember. stands to reason that maybe other civilizations did interact with us. I personally don't believe it. I, I, I just, I think it's a way to discredit um, ancient human civilizations that had these capabilities of building these megalithic structures. You know, um, it's better to, to think, in my opinion, that we as humans are capable. I mean, shit, we have an iPhone today. I, I'm broadcasting via the internet telepathically to all y'all listening. So we've come a long way, you know, um, to think that we didn't do this 12,500 years ago and maybe some cataclysm happened and we forgot and we started all over again. That, that seems to me more plausible than aliens came and fucking... You know, maybe we developed this technology and maybe it just got lost through time. But speaking of Stargates, there are other interesting. Uh, so in Sri Lanka, there's a supposed star. Sri Lanka is a really weird place. It's a little island at the southernmost tip of uh, India. And it has really ancient glyphs and caves and crazy places. Um, but this thing's supposed to be some kind of stargate drawing that is supposed to be i think like 3000 years no yeah 3000 years old or something like this inside of a crazy temple that's like super old and uh nobody has any explanation as to how it got there but uh it's carved directly into the rock um really crazy but uh, th this th this place Sri Lanka is a really weird place. Um, they also have another place called Eden. Um, it's like a, the top of a mountain and it has a temple. Um, let me see if I have that here for you guys. No, but on the on the subject of Stargates, there's also this crazy place. I believe it's in Turkey. And very Mesoamerican looking. It's just like the beginning of a... I, I I would think that maybe they were starting to carve a structure out of this stone and they never got around to finishing it. But I think there's nothing behind it so that that theory is flawed. But it's considered to be some type of, yeah, people call it a stargate. Um, and in, in Peru, there's one very similar to that. And people also call it, a, of course they're going to call it a stargate. This one's trippy. Um, it has one of these false doors in the middle. Uh, I believe this one actually does have more rock behind it. So it could be 
that they were querying this, maybe cutting it out, using it for other purposes. Who knows? But another interesting piece, Stargate-looking thing. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Ancient technology and, and how they could have done this, I, I have no idea. Um, quartz seems to, I mean, there's speculation from scientists themselves. After looking at the top of the pyramid, they think that the top of the pyramid was made of solid quartz as well. And potentially, you know, maybe used as some kind of night light or something. So that's really interesting. So I said I was going to look at the Ark of the Covenant and particularly what it has to do with the human evolution from the Christian perspective. So let's talk a little about the Bible because the Bible is a really old book too and they, they say a lot of crazy stuff. So one of the first things I'll point out that I think you guys should look more into is this dude Melchizedek because... There's a cult called the Cult of Melchizedek, and they are a new cult, and they believe in something like, uh, an, you know, they believe basically in aliens, and they believe the Ark of the, of the Covenant came from aliens. And the interesting thing about this dude Melchizedek is that he's mentioned only a few times in the Bible, but he's of the highest order. So higher than Christ, higher than the ancient Israelites, he's like the original God, you can almost say, Melchizedek. And he's not mentioned too many times. But another one ancient organization, the Zarathustras or the Zoroasters, also believe in something very similar. Um, some type of alien belief that we got this technology from angels or from seraphim or whatever you want to call it. They call it ser seraphims or uh, beings from the 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 burning one. So it's, it's really crazy stuff. Um, there's a movie with Christopher Walken called uh, The Prophecy, and they talk a little bit about seraphims and, and some of these. Uh, let's see if I have something for you guys here on that. Probably not, but it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, but what that has to do with the Ark of the Covenant is that these dudes basically believe in exactly that, that it's a it's an ancient uh, alien technology. Um, I, again, I'm not one to believe that theory, but it's interesting that people back then, you know, so long ago did. Um, and what does it mean? So so there's this dude Melchizedek. He's an interesting character, right? He's of the highest order. But when it comes to the order of humanity and religion, according to the Bible, it's really interesting to look at. Because uh, as we know, Hitler, he looked a lot into this stuff, and he was obsessed with the master race and the pure race and this and that. He was a weirdo. But we can see here, according to the Bible, there was Adam and Eve right who were forged by god and they had three sons and one of them got pfft, one of them got murked and so then uh if we follow the the you know and, and we can say that these beings here the bible says that they mated with that angels mated 
with humans creating Nephilim and that the world had to be destroyed, uh, right? And then it, it mentions that Adam and Eve came to play after the the creation of the earth. Uh, and then these guys, you know, according to Nassim Haramein, could have been all possessing these Arcs of Covenants type technologies which is why there was a great flood and that destroyed so everything from noah and back all these people are said to have lived thousands of years like if you look at how long they lived it in the bible according to the bible it says they lived thousands of years so people don't know if it means groups of people or if it means specific individuals but these people live for thousands of years and right when you get to noah everyone gets murked by the great flood and then we get Noah. And then this is something that I, a really interesting observation. We get Noah and we get the three sons of Noah, Shem, Japheth, and Ham. And the Bible doesn't explain how Noah procreates, by the way. It doesn't say that he got himself a girl. It's not specific. Wait, but, but here are the three sons, right? So it's really important to look at this because something really really interesting arises from from his son's Shem and his son's Japheth. So I want you guys to see this. Uh, you know, according to the Bible, this is all the Middle East, by the way. Um, you can say that Ham, the people of Ham, are Africans or uh, Middle Eastern black people. So the Kushites would be northern or Africans, Africans, the Mizra, Mizraim would be like the Egyptians, the Canaanites. Um, so the people of Ham would be like African, uh, Ethiopian, African, Northern African, you know, Egyptian, and so forth, right? And you can say that the people of Japheth were Europeans. The people of Gomer, these people migrated north from from Noah, right? So Noah has three sons. Those three sons migrate, form their own families, and travel from Noah's, from where the ship lands or whatever. They travel after the great flood, right? So this is post-flood. So then the sons of Japheth, let's take a really close look at that because the sons of Japheth are all of these sons here. And then from Gomer arises the Ashkenaz. Now, why is that important? Because there's a really interesting argument that a lot of people have made in the past that modern-day Jew people, modern-day, uh, what I would say, are uh, European Jews, from Ashkenazi uh, mountains, from the Ashkenaz region uh, bloodline, you can also do DNA tests and find how much. Like I think H three, I think Ethan from H three is like ninety nine point some shit percent Ashkenaz Jew, right? And Ela, his wife, on the other hand, is something like she's like Iranian, Middle Eastern, and like a little bit Jew. So even though she lives in Israel, so that's a really interesting find that. Um, she live. She's from Israel, but <laughs> Ethan is more Jewish than her. So 
let, let, let's take that in, into consideration because the tribes of Judah come from the sons of Ham, not from Japheth. This is where the Japheth line ends. But if we look at the sons of Ham, which would be considered, in my opinion, black people, we got Mizra, we got the Cushite kingdom, the Canaanites, and basically, if, if you follow or if you follow this line all the way, and he, 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 you get basically Africa, right? And then if you follow this side, sons of Shem, right? And you follow that all the way, you get something really interesting. You get the, Abraham comes from Shem, not Japheth. Abraham comes from the line lineage of Shem. So Hitler was basically wrong because uh, if you wanted to be a true Aryan, you would have to be an Ashkenaz or one of these civilizations here or uh, genealogical traits. According to the Bible, of course, this is not scientific. This is biblical information um, based on what the book says. But if we follow from the sons of Shem, we basically, in my opinion, get ancient Mesopotamian culture, um, and we get Abraham. And everybody knows that from Abraham, Abrahamic religions came the Muslim religion, came Christianity. Everything came from Abrahamic religion, but most importantly, the 12 tribes of Israel. Which if we follow Abraham, then you get Isaac, and then you get Jacob, and then... From Jacob, you see you get all these people, but then at some point, you get the 12 tribes. Let's see if we can find them real quick. God damn. It's a group of people. Maybe I went too far. Hold up. Oh, look, Solomon with the 700 wives. Crazy. Where is Judah. And the twelve tribes. Let's find them, because that that would that would point back at the fact that from Abraham came everyone. The 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 tri the twelve tribes Levi and um, oh here they are, here's Levi. Here's all of them: Zebulon, uh, Asher. Where is Judah? But anyways, it's too complicated to look through this damn chart. But at some point, um, the tribes of Judah essentially come from, uh, from not from where the Ashkenaz, uh, which is funny because they claim to be the true. Uh, they they claim to 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 have uh, priority over the Holy Land because they are. 100% Jews but not according to the Bible or to the Torah or to the Kabbalah or to any of these ancient books which is really funny some other ancient uh, artifacts to, to consider is that uh, Jewish people blow on this horn here called the shofar and there's groups of uh, what they call themselves the black Israelites that 
make this observation as well that the shofar is this ancient Hebrew device that they blow at you know during certain ceremonies and here it says they blow it on every weekday morning of the month blah 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 right but the interesting thing about the shofar that they don't talk about here in this article is that it comes from the greater kudu and that animal the greater kudu is not native anywhere in the middle east it's an african beast so <laughs> that's a really funny observation uh that this ancient uh thing this ancient horn doesn't have has an african origin it, it doesn't have a middle eastern origin so that's another funny observation but what does that have to do with uh ancient human origins well uh we want to know who had possession of the ark and we want to know these things ancient technologies right um so that's kind of why i bring it up I'm not trying to get into racist arguments with people today <laughs> um i have a whole thing here up specifically about science and and how it compares to religion but that's a whole super long topic i don't want to get into um i'm happy to summarize with you guys my thoughts on uh this ancient technology and some some of the human origins uh stories um you know there's also the this discovery of different dna found in people that implicates that there was a different type of homo sapien uh and now we know that there is the denisovan denisovan hominin which is now also a new discovery um in 2010 based on dna evidence and based on these molars that they found uh, that there was definitely another type of human that was smaller and that you can see um, the origins of that being um, you know mostly in the Asian regions so that's really another really interesting find that puts a hole in how we think of humanity like I feel like scientists are just too fucking lazy like all humans came from Africa and uh you know they must have crossed over the bering strait and blah, blah 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 like it's just such simple but recently they found that in the philippines they found uh evidence of people living in the philippines for like hundreds of thousands of years so that also doesn't explain how how people arrived in the philippines um according to see seven hundred thousand years ago this is this is big news and this is like actual actually accepted by mainstream science um, that this happened so humans are a lot older than than we think you know and 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 ha, ha, I, I don't like to get into hominids and and pre homo sapien kind of stuff because it's a lot of in my opinion speculation the one thing that I get really upset with science is that they get into this speculative talk, but they're never willing to say it's speculation. Like, you can be watching a documentary made by, like, fucking BBC or National Geographic, and they'll say, 
25 million years ago, blah, 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 as if they know. Like, no, tell us that it's a theory. You know, tell us that it's a prediction. Tell us that we have to have faith to believe it and that it can change at any moment when we discover new evidence. Don't say it's a fact. But people like Neil deGrasse Tyson go on Joe Rogan podcast and they just say stuff like it's a fact. And I find that to be just as annoying as when a Christian says that the world was made 2,000 years ago and then th that's a fact, you know? It's just as annoying. So let, let's keep our minds open because there's a lot of new information coming out we just don't know, you know? Sri Lanka, Cambodia, these places that were relatively unexplored, you know, and it's really interesting. Uh, Buddhism, I was intrigued a lot by Buddhism, and I read all of the Buddhist works, but now, these days, I'm more interested in Sanskrit, I'm more interested in, like, you know, ancient Hindu stuff, because it's older, and, like, this place called Adam's Peak in Sri Lanka, it's a crazy rock formation with a temple at the very top really interesting place you know and i kind of got all these points mapped out on google maps in case uh if anybody wants that i can send it to them you guys can check them all out for yourself um a link to all those locations really interesting stuff um but yeah watch some of this stuff guys watch this movie chariot of the gods stay away from the ancient alien stuff you know kind of you know let's look at it from a realistic point of view and let's talk about what could have happened 12,000, 13,000 years ago. And uh, where what were humans doing back then that they were forming these crazy rocks and painting these crazy things. And in, in ancient India, there, there's a lot of crazy ancient things being discovered in India as well. Like temples being cut out of solid rock. I don't know the name of that temple. Let me see if I can, um, if I can find. But there's a, there's a temple in india cut out of like it's not built like it's fucking cut out of a whole piece of rock uh, let me see uh hindu temple solid rock i'm sure there has to be some images of this crazy place oh yeah here it is this place is amazing. It's a temple cut out of solid fucking rock. Like, it's not... It, it's literally... Cut out of the mountain. It wasn't built using blocks or anything like that. And every inch of it is covered in... All kinds of carvings. Cool-ass stuff. You know? And... Scientists are not willing to say that this thing is older than 3,000 years. But who knows how old this is? And I, I would say look this place up, the Kailasa Temple. So lots of new things in areas where people were unwilling to, to, to search. Um, cut, cut out of solid rock, again, with these ancient megalithic structures that we would have a hard time building today cutting them out of the fucking mountain really interesting a whole temple cut out of a single piece of rock it's amazing but um you know yeah keep 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 
keep up with the information and uh, and let me know if you guys found anything new, um, any cool new findings. Uh, I I want to start making more of these uh, ancient. This is like the first of many, so any any and all topics, megalithic structures, ancient technology, even alien. I'm willing to go into aliens. Fuck it, not this time, but on the next one we can we can do an alien specific podcast. How's that? <laughs> Uh, we could talk about, um, religion. We can talk about angels, demons, demonology, anything. So we're, we're going to go on this, uh, conspiracy journey. Maybe, maybe one day a week we'll do a conspiracy podcast, <laughs> uh, or not conspiracy or uh, yeah, fuck it. Everything conspiracies. I'm willing to do anything, but yeah, man, thank you guys for tuning in. It's always hella fun doing podcasts for no reason. Uh, this this studio I'm going to shut down, so I'm going to relocate it. So this will be the last time you'll see this particular setup. But next time, we'll, you know, I'll just do it somewhere else uh, in a new setup. So, you know, new things coming. But, yeah, man, if you guys find anything, DM me. Just send me messages. Send me stuff to info at djocult.com. Send me links there. And any cool, interesting links. I'm always saving this kind of stuff. Ooh, I forgot to talk about these places, the Nazca Lions. Look that up, too. Super cool places with cool glyphs that you can only see from the sky. Um, yeah, any, any any other cool stuff that you guys have found that you think is niche? Uh, not not the crazy ancient aliens kind of stuff, but like and you know just things that are underrated. Send me underrated stuff that you think is cool, and I'll check it out. Um, yeah, man, I'm gonna sign out now. I'll see y'all on the next one.